0: By the way, I have a I have a tank top on. I took it. I had this on yesterday because I was getting hot. And Lily goes, "Mom, put your shirt back on." Full sentence. Mom put, mom put your shirt back on. I'm like, "All right, way to humble me." <laughs> Welcome to Book Talk, etc. A podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina. And I'm Renee. And this is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. And today we're talking about our favorite books of 2022. If
1: you enjoy listening, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts
0: or subscribe on your favorite
1: podcast app. And if you have a minute, please consider leaving us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or sharing us on social media. All of this helps other book lovers find us.
0: And today we're sharing our best of 2022, our very favorites. And if you like these types of wrap ups and want even more book talk, now's a great time to join our Patreon community. You can join for $5 a month or $54 for the year. And this month's bonus episode will include even more best of 2022 chat where Renee and I and a special guest dig deeper into our reading year and talk about what worked and what didn't work for us this year, discuss reading trends, and give a few awards of our own. So if that sounds good to you, head to patreon.com slash etc to join us.
1: Hi, Renee. Hey, Tina. This is exciting. I I think we are both, I mean, I don't know about you, but you probably are also caffeinated. I'm extra. Yeah. (laughs) I've had my, I enjoyed prepping even extra having coffee. And guess what? Mm. Uh, I changed just a bit. I've been thinking, thinking, thinking. So anyway, a lot of thought has went into this. It's super fun. I can't wait to get started.
0: I'm pumped. I'm pumped too. I worked on this last night. I worked on it this morning. I was, it's so funny with books that I really love. I almost have a harder time Describing them and telling you why mm-hmm. I love them, other than, oh my God, it was amazing. I loved it. <laughs> like, and so I'm going to try during this recording to not say, and I loved it. Cause, like, obviously, we've read so many books this year and these are our very mm-hmm. top favorites. We're each sharing 10 and we have not shared our list with each other. So we're not sure if there's going to be overlap. I predict there is, but Renee, you're not sure. I am not sure if there will be. Okay. I know that we both loved
1: many of the same books. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know that we've chosen them to be in an, like exactly in our, you know, in our top picks. So mm-hmm. I'm
0: I'm as excited to hear your picks as the listeners are, I bet. <laughs> yeah, same. Likewise. I, I'm like, I think I know some that are in yours, but others I bet I've forgotten about. So. All
1: right. Well, let's get started with our loving lately. And I thought, why not bring This particular loving lately, in case anyone needs any last minute gift ideas, this is something I use all the time and it is also on my Christmas list for anyone in my family who's listening. (laughs) It is the Buffy Body Butter from Lush and this is a solid moisturizing body butter that you use in the shower. It's made with exfoliating ground rice, ground almonds, and ground aduki beans. And then the scent and the other ingredients in there is um, cocoa and shea butter. So not only do you moisturize, you can exfoliate. So you use this at the end of your shower, rinse it off quick, and that's it. Mm -hmm. Get out and go. I love this because I don't like to use a lot of lotions when I get out of the shower. So this is perfect. This is not an affiliate of us, although I wouldn't be opposed to having an affiliate link for Lush. That would be great. It's an okay price point at $14. I kind of consider it a bit of a splurge, but I do find that it lasts a decent amount of time and Mm -hmm. I use it every night. So that is the Buffy Body Butter
0: from Lush. Oh, I can't believe you've not brought it to the show yet. That's a good suggestion.
1: I had to double check and, mm-hmm. you know, I brought it to one of our weekly loving Lately's in our Facebook
0: group. I brought uh, it a while ago, And mm-hmm. I was like,
1: I've talked about this, but no, I haven't shared that with all the listeners. Yeah.
0: I was going to say, yeah, because I know you like Lush. I've only used their products a couple of times, but that sounds like one I think I would enjoy because I'm not a big lotion person. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Like after the shower, especially, I'm just like, all right, I'm good. <laughs> just dry I off and then I call it a day. Yeah. I think you would like it then. Yes. All right. So My Loving Lately is something that I also know Renee is, enjoys as well. But I had to bring it, namely because I was writing this script. And I'm thinking, what is My Loving Lately? As I'm like watching the show that's like been on my screen for hours. So My Loving Lately is White Lotus. Yeah, I had to. I had to. And mm-hmm. I feel like everybody is watching this show right now for a good reason, though. And they released episodes in groups. So I think the finale just released this week as we're recording. And so it had that shared watching experience and got really buzzy. And I loved it. There are two seasons. Both take place at a resort called The White Lotus. Season one is set in Hawaii. And season two is in Italy, in Sicily. And I enjoyed them both. But for me, season two is the star It is a total escape watch for me. I know, right? Season two, I liked even better. It's a total escape watch for me because the fashions, the actors are just so compelling, the setting, but also Jennifer Coolidge. I love her. She is just my favorite. I I just adore her. I know her from being Stifler's mom. Stifler's mom. Yes. Oh, okay. I was going (laughs) to say, I don't know if you like caught the American Pie series, Mm -hmm. but I love Stifler's mom. And she, of course, was in Legally Blonde. I'm like, oh, Love having her back on my television. So these series, if you've not seen them yet, have a lot of drama and a lot of characters, and everyone's kind of terrible, but like in a very entertaining <laughs> and good way. And there's a lot of cameos from actors that I know are pretty popular. Connie Britton's on there, and some. Mm-hmm. Then there's some other actors. I'm like, who are you? I cannot take my eyes off you. And then I get into like a deep dive. I'm like, why are you so beautiful? <laughs> who are <laughs> you? The woman with the black hair and the blue eyes is unbelievably gorgeous. And in I season saw two. Season one, The the Wife. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 I Googled and like, she's one of the most beautiful women in the world. I was like, oh, right. <laughs> like, I'm not the only one to, to discover this. Anyway, lots of drama. And I legitimately watched like five episodes in a row and I never do that. I just couldn't stop. Very good show to watch during this time of year when everything feels so busy. And I'm gonna need everyone to watch and report back and tell me what you thought about the ending of the second season. So mm-hmm. I highly recommend it. This is White Lotus on HBO.
1: Okay, I almost brought that, and something yeah. told me I bet that I thought you were going to bring it. We are watching that, so I second, I second it. I even got Darren hooked on it. He did not initially like it, mm-hmm. then he got sucked in, and we fin- so we're done with season one. We have finished three episodes of season two. Oh, good. Okay, now I'm really curious about you saying season two is the star because so far I'm like. I feel like mm-hmm. I like season one better, but we're only, we just yeah. finished episode three. I love the Italian setting. Yeah, it's visually stunning. stunning. Both seasons. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, yeah, stunning. I think the Today Show, I don't know if it was Today or Good Morning America, had a segment on the White Lotus effect and, oh. tour- and the um, amount of tourism that's up in... Hawaii, and Italy because of this show. Wow. I believe it, though. It's like very enticing. Yeah, trips being booked and all that, etc. That's great.
0: Yeah. All right. Okay. Is it time for... We're doing latest reads today. We're we're getting everything. Latest reads, a big old book list, and shelf edition. Yes. So what have you been reading?
1: Let me tell you about my latest read. As I have... Probably mentioned, and I know I've mentioned on our Instagram, I've been in a nonfiction mood. My nonfiction go-to recommender is Katie from Basic Bees Guide. And I I have to say, if you are not following her, you need to get over there and follow her because not only does she share her book mail, which is so helpful— She loves memoirs, so I go to her. I said, what do you think I would like something? I need something to binge. I'm in a nonfiction mood, and she gave me this book. It was not on my radar. It is Bad Vibes Only by Nora McInerney, and she narrates the audiobook. I binged this in one day. It is not super long. It's so, so good. So I really did not know who Nora was. She does have a podcast, but this book is about her story with a little bit about grief, but It wasn't really about that. What it's about is our oppressively optimistic culture, she calls it, our obsession with self improvement, and what it really means to live authentically in the online age. Now, the thing that I really liked about this, because this is a book in essays, and she ties in a lot of like the positive thinking culture with her own stories as she nears middle age, but she goes back. And one of my absolutely very favorite sections was about nostalgia. You know, I love I love nostalgia, especially in the like 70s and 80s. And she talked about, you know, growing up in a time when there weren't cell phones and for kids to go out. And it was such a great story. I loved it. It was probably my favorite one. But every single essay in this book is worth listening to. It really, like, checked all my boxes because she says in there that this is very much for overthinkers, analyzers, people who just can— Tend to get burned out on how their brains work and just thinking about all the things. Which I would say that would be probably be me. I <laughs> you loved would say it. probably? Yes. I <laughs> <would>. <laughs> okay. Yes, definitely me. I loved it. It was five stars. Now I'm gonna have to go get myself a print copy. I really, I really want to put this on Ugh. my shelf. I loved it. You know how you just come across a book and you're like, how did I not know about this? And I'm so thankful for Katie for recommending it. It's Bad Vibes Only by Nora McInerney.
0: Good. Yeah, I saw that. It's got a great cover. It's like a lemon. And I love the title, Bad Vibes Only. Like that Mm -hmm. makes me laugh so hard. So good. I'm glad you read that one and good pick by Katie. Did you know who she was? No.
1: Mm -mm. Okay. I haven't listened to her podcast, but she is really funny. And I told Katie when I was reading or listening to it, and then when I finished it, I cannot remember the last time I laughed out loud. Like, I was at the park walking.
0: (laughs) From a book or just in life?
1: (laughs) No, no, from a book. Yeah, I was three times throughout the book. It was just, Mm -hmm. she's very funny. Mm -hmm. So if you need, I don't know, this seems like a a time of year with all the busyness and people can get stressed. Like, I think this would be a great read.
0: Good. I love that. Mine's actually nonfiction too, believe it or not. Mine. Oh, that's funny. I know. We've both been in that mood, but. Have I talked about this on the show? Stop me if you've heard this. My latest read was The Light We Carry by Michelle Obama. Have I brought this? Am I blank? Okay, okay. I think I've just thought about it a lot. (laughs) Well, if I have, let's talk about it again. Now, I loved Michelle Obama's memoir, Becoming. So I had a feeling I would really enjoy this one. And I was absolutely right. I don't even know how to describe it. And it's such an interesting book because it's part life lessons and part memoir. So you still get some of her stories, but also life lessons. But none of the lessons are like 10 steps to this. It's just more It's like you're talking to a friend. It felt very intimate. And it almost reminded me a little bit of Gabrielle Union's books. If you've read her books, like that's the vibe that I got. And the premise of this book is her sharing practical wisdom and powerful strategies for staying hopeful and balanced in today's highly uncertain world. And she talks about her catchphrase that became her catchphrase, when they go low, we go high, and what that means. And because people have been really tasking her after COVID, after everything was like, okay, can we still go high? Are we still supposed to go high? (laughs) And she talks about that. We're big fans of Michelle Obama in this house. And we had the chance to see her on book tour when she came to Chicago. I say book tour, but it was more like a concert. Like we were not like in a small room (laughs) with Michelle Obama. (laughs) It was in the Chicago theater and it was packed. But again, the best part about this book is the honesty and that it's a conversation starter. She's not just sharing about her life and like her time as the first lady. And after she talks about where she learned certain lessons and there and then shares those lessons with us, talks about building relationships and how she structures and maintains friendships with girlfriends about having open dialogue with people from inside and outside of our community and what tools work for her when she's dealing with self-doubt. I think even if you've read Becoming, this is absolutely worth the read. Even if you haven't read it, none of it felt like, oh, I already know this about her. It felt new. And I could tell I wasn't the only one that thought this was a good conversation starter because even Jonathan and I, when we were there, were like having sidebar conversations about some of the things she was talking about because it's Mm. just that type of book. She's got a deep love for her family and they were there. I was like, oh my gosh, there's her mom. And she has such respect for her journey and who she is and like how she came to that place. And I'm so glad she wrote this and shared these nuggets with us. I think this would be awesome for a book club. So if your book club's looking for something that will really generate discussion, this could do it. This would also be a really good book to start the new year with to help reframe your mindset. And this book is The Light We Carry by Michelle Obama.
1: I think both of our latest reads could be kind of paired together. That would be, they'd probably
0: be a really great, like, nonfiction pairing.
1: All right. Shall we? It's time to get started. Let's do
0: it. Let's, so, all right, let's talk about how we came up with our list. I know my list is a mix of fiction and nonfiction, and I think yours is as well.
1: Yes, it is.
0: Okay. And these are the books that we personally loved reading this year, they're not just ones published in 2022. And these are just the ones I love the most. I'm, we're calling it favorite books because these are our favorite. They're not necessarily like the best books. I don't know. Some of them are, who knows, who's who's to say? But right. definitely these were my favorite.
1: I think they're, well, I don't know. For me, they're my Top picks of the year. Yeah. So they're the best for me. The
0: best for and, me. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, I just think me.
0: best books. I'm like, okay, like I'm not a literary critic. I don't know if it's the most well-written. Well, right. I think they are. I think they're really well, well-written, well <laughs> but I always like hesitate to say the best. But no, these are the best. Now, how many books did you have to choose from? I had 127 books mm. to choose from this So many. year. I had 136 And I was curious because I was looking at last year. And during the recording last year, I had 118. And I remember my mind being like blown by that. Mm -hmm. And I 18 more books at this time. Like, that is so many. We'll talk about reading resolutions next episode, but I'm like, I think mine is to read fewer books and to to DNF (laughs) more and to really find really, really good ones. But 136 is so many. I don't want to say it wasn't difficult for me to narrow it down, but I noticed I was listening back to some of the episodes where I mentioned these books and listened to what I said during that time a lot of them I identified either as a five-star read or I said, this is going to be one of my favorite books of 2022. I was right for the most part.
1: Oh, okay. This was interesting. I did have a hard time. I I don't know if it was a hard time or I struggled with a certain four or five, I guess. Mm -hmm. There were some that I I knew were going to be on there once I started thinking about it. Others, I I went back and forth. I don't know about this for you because I know you may not give all of your books star ratings, but I only usually put my five stars in the mix. Mm -hmm. So even though I had all those books to choose from— Only the five stars were the ones that I knew I was going to be looking at, and I had forty five stars this year. Whoa! I was I was I was counting all those, and I was like, "This is interesting." I feel like maybe I was very generous. But I'm i was off looking, on you when I was looking at the list. I was like, "Oh yeah, okay, yeah, I've yeah. a lot," but I still stand by all of that. And yeah. in fact, I and guess what I did this year, Tina, because I used StoryGraph to track everything and keep it. I gave some quarter stars. And one, I know, one uh, in so particular. I'm so proud. I <laughs> kind I kind of enjoyed it actually. See? One in particular, which I'll talk about when I get to it. I gave it a 4.75, but I have not been able to stop thinking about that that particular book and it has led me into other avenues which I will get into. And so I had to I bump I had to bump that yeah. up and I had to move that into my top 10 and take something else off, which
0: I, I know. You're, I really over, overthinking. you're really I'm grappling.
1: You're really grappling. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like I told I I think I think I messaged you like I'm acting like this is a life decision. But <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Like we're gonna hold your we're gonna hold you accountable to this list.
1: Yes. But no, it was fun. Overall, I I think that I asked myself initially, what books are you still thinking about?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what? It's funny because you mentioned, you know, walking away from it. It's the book that stuck with you. I find my ratings do change often as I get away from a book. Usually they go down, but on occasion it does bump up. And I actually shifted. I switched my favorite book, like the one that I picked for my favorite of the year during our best of 2022 so far episode. It was not number one. But I actually have bumped it up since then because oh. of its lasting power. Isn't that okay. interesting? So did you okay. keep any of your books from our best of 2022 so far episode?
1: Yes. How many? And I actually forgot what was on that, <laughs> was on that <laughs> list. So I had to go back and check. And I was surprised. Yes,
0: I've kept four of them. Yeah, I kept three. But like the other two could have easily made their way into the top 10. How about themes? What was your... Did you notice any themes as you look at your top 10?
1: Uh going so not initially, but once I had the the list finalized, I realized I have a few themes. Strong women. Mm. Now not every book, but this looking at at several of them, yes, characters that have went through a trauma or some sort of like big life adjustment that that's one of my definitely a theme in quite a, a few of my books and twists. Mm-hmm. Now, when I say twists, it's the thing that has stuck in so many of my picks was that there was either a character driven twist, like something happened to a character that I did not see coming or it was plot related mm-hmm. in like just the action or the resolution. Most of these that had twists left me stunned. Yeah. And when that happens, it stays with me. It yeah. like that book is really hard to forget because I was so probably so invested in the characters and the story that I just don't forget it. So that ends up rising to the top. Those were my, I would say my main themes. What about you?
0: Yeah. So I am thinking about it. <laughs> I can't tell you what one of the things that two of my books have in common and it's a trope that I love so much because it's a spoiler. The the fun is in the reveal. So I will agree with you when I have a couple of books that there's characters that suffer great loss and that just I just can't like it just it's what gets me. I I was laughing. I'm like, (laughs) I feel like I like being sad. If you're going to look at my list, you're like, wow, you are you're a sad girl (laughs) because I just love books that Reach into my heart and give it a squeeze. I have a lot, a couple unique stories too, stories that I've not, the premise is just what got me and the execution Mm -hmm. held up. And sometimes there are a few that were gasp worthy, not in a thrillery way, sometimes. Yeah. But sometimes it was just, no, I, what? Like, I cannot believe the author went there with this.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. And I would say at least two of mine definitely are just sheer. The sheer entertainment value along with having those like, what? I cannot mm-hmm. believe that happened. You know, those have just stood out. But I do like to be sad, too. And I, I like to be moved.
0: Yeah. Some, mm-hmm.
1: And I would say that that definitely a lot of these stories moved me mm-hmm. to the point that I couldn't forget about them.
0: Yeah, me too. We like to be moved move me, delight me. <laughs> All right. So with that, here is our here are our favorite books of 2022. I made Renee rank them. So give me your, your number 10. All right, here we go. My number 10
1: of 2022 is Cover Story by Susan Rigetti. Mm-hmm. And this was on my summer list. This was the story about aspiring writer Laura Ricci um, who landed the summer internship at Elle magazine, and then she meets Cat Wolf, who at the time was working as a an editor, and she was the daughter of a clean energy mogul. And Cat ends up taking Laura under her wing, and they they become friends. And Laura looks up to her, um, and she's slowly drawn into Cat's glamorous lifestyle. And then, little by little, Cat's um, interior world becomes a little shady. And boy, does the story really, truly take off. This was one of the ones that is just so fun, did leave me just stunned. And I loved it because I couldn't stop thinking about it. It led to so many discussions. It really, truly made my jaw drop. Mm -hmm. And this is from praying. So it stayed with me. It it was between this and another one, and I I could not include this. So that was Cover Story by Susan
0: Rigetti. Mm -hmm. That one was so good. And I think you read it before me, and and it was one of those we read very close together Mm because we're like, we have to discuss. We have to talk about this. Yes. All right. Number 10 for me is The Weight of Blood by Tiffany D. Jackson. And this book is YA Horror, inspired by Carrie by Stephen King. And in it, residents of a small town in Georgia are interviewed for a true crime podcast to get to the bottom of what really happened on prom night. And they all have the same explanation. Maddie did it. Maddie has always been a target for bullies in her town. And when everyone finds out that she's biracial and has been passing for white, things get worse. And the bullying gets worse. And now it's racially motivated. And we get to see what happens when she is pushed to her breaking point. I will say, even though this was inspired by Carrie... It still felt fresh and took on a lot of topics while still telling a really good story. I love Tiffany D. Jackson. She was an author I really, really got into this year and I can't wait to go through her entire backlist. I recommend doing the audio for this one for maximum effect since it's a full cast narration. And that's The Weight of Blood by Tiffany D. Jackson.
1: Okay, good. All right. My number nine is speak. Find your voice, trust your gut, and Get From Where You Are to Where You Want to Be by Tunde Onyone. This was an audiobook that I listened to, but then I went and bought her print copy. This is nonfiction. She is a Peloton instructor. I did not know that when I first listened to this book. I had watched her on the Today Show and loved what she had to say about her acronym SPEAK, which stands for Surrender, Power, Empathy, Authenticity, and Knowledge. And I immediately wanted to know more of what she had to say. And it turns out that this memoir is really, truly riveting. She shares lessons. She has learned about loss, love, body image. She has a really, really interesting backstory, how she grew up, what were her careers before becoming a Peloton instructor, and how did that even happen? She's a true fitness star on Peloton. But I think that this is worth reading for everything she has to say about Speak. It is a very accessible blueprint for anyone looking to make a positive change in their lives. It truly, truly is worthwhile. I actually cannot wait to reread this. Even if I just pick up part, you know, a chapter here and there, I feel like this is something to take into the new year. This will probably be a book that I will revisit in 2023. So that was Speak, Find Your Voice, Trust Your Gut, and
0: Get From Where You Are to Where You Want to Be by Tunde Onyane. Excellent. I have that on the shelf right behind us. So I'm going to go ahead and add it to my end of (laughs) year list, squeeze it in. And number nine for me is a book I know you also read. It is Unlikely Animals by Annie Hartnett. If I had to pick some words to describe this book, the words would be emotional, unique, and memorable you have a young woman who drops out of medical school and returns to her small hometown in New Hampshire after she hears that her dad has been having health problems. He very clearly has some sort of something going on in his brain because he's been hallucinating small animals, having visions of the ghost of a long-dead naturalist, Ernest Harold Baines, who was once known for letting wild animals live in his house. And... That's it. It goes from there. The story takes off in directions where I wasn't expecting there's a missing person and the dad becomes obsessed with finding her. And I thought that was gonna take the crux of the plot, but it really doesn't. It goes in a lot of different ways. There's a unique narration structure too that I think is part of the the fun reveal. But I will say the characters are what made this book for me. They are flawed but lovable and felt very real. They felt like people I could know. And I really got absorbed in their story. There's a great author's note at the end, too, where Hartnett shares about the real people that inspired her to write this story. And it's a really good origin story. If you want something that's a little bit different, I would say go ahead and give this one a shot. It's Unlikely Animals by Annie Hartnett.
1: I love that book. Mm-hmm. I love Clive I, is a character I won't forget about. Yes. I know that if we would have done our top 15, that, mm-hmm. this would have been one. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, good. Yeah, I'm glad great. that I snuck it in because I w- I, that was one I was like, maybe, maybe. Yes. and. For no other reason other than it,
1: these particular yeah. 10, just I couldn't not have them, but I loved I loved Unlikely Animals. So I, I'm glad that you have that one on your list. Okay, my number eight is Notes on an Execution by Danya Kakofka. I read this a long, long time ago. I brought this to our January 4th, first show of wow. the year. Now, the fact that this has stuck with me It is truly the writing and the story. This was about the story of a serial killer named Ansel who's on death row. And the story is told primarily through the eyes of the women in his life, which was really such a great way to tell the story. It's told through the eyes of his mother, a sister in the story, not his sister, a sister, and a homicide detective. And Ansel's narration was told in a countdown fat manner countdown to his execution. And it was chilling. It created tension. The mystery was perfection. And the ending, not only do all the other aspects of this story really create a memorable book, which is a big reason why it has stuck with me, But the ending, this is one of the most haunting endings that I've read. I still think about it. When I was revisiting all of these picks and this one in particular, I remembered where I was when I listened, because this was an audio, I listened to the end and the way she ended the story. Haunting is the best word I have to describe it. It was also unique. And man, it just stayed with me. The whole story, start to finish, I loved it. And yeah, I think if you haven't read this one, I could have actually put this on my underrated list. I don't think it received the attention that it deserved. And maybe that's because it came out so early. But this was Notes on an Execution by Danya Kakafka.
0: I think you're right. This one has not received the attention it deserves. I haven't read it yet either because I know you brought it and mm-hmm. it just kind of left my radar because I'm like, oh, well, Renee covered that one. So Another one I'll have to add to my ever-growing Renee-recommended list.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm sure you would like it.
0: I'm sure I would, too. Let's get into some disturbing territory because my number eight is Tender is the Flesh by Uh Agostina Bazterica. This is not for the faint of heart, but (laughs) it made my list because it was one of the most shocking and mentally disturbing books I've ever read. And that's no joke. The story follows Marcos, and he is a manager at the local processing plant. And since animal meat is now poisonous to humans, they had to pivot to start slaughtering humans for food. And as you can imagine, Marco struggles a lot with this identity and he's got a lot of other things going on in his life. His wife has left him. His father is sinking into dementia and he tries not to think too hard about how he makes his living. His boss, after a job well done, gives him a gift of a female specimen of the highest quality. And he starts to spiral as the lines between his professional life and personal life blur. As horrifying as the premise sounds, I think the scariest part was that as I started to read it, I started to get desensitized. And I think that was the point. This book is so unbelievably clever. I enjoyed it from start to finish, but the ending is a real star here. When I tell you I gasped out loud, I was floored. So if you can, if you think you can hang with it, I'd give it a shot. I think I recommend the print in this one. I don't know if I could hear it because it's okay. really, it's, it's, it's gory, but it's also more disturbing than anything else. I think for me, it's not like the jump scare or like the body horror. It's just the thought of like what in God's green earth is going on. So I do recommend it. It's tender as the flesh by Agostina Vazterica. Okay.
1: I still remember your initial description of that, yeah. which is crazy. But I feel like you may have actually sold me this time around by saying, Yeah, I like what you had to say. Clever. Mm-hmm. And the ending. Yeah, I think you I think you got me. I may I may have to give this one a go. It's
0: short. Okay. Yeah, is it's it? short. Yeah. It's like two hundred something oh. pages. Okay, you
1: brought that to our short books.
0: I did. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Okay, my number seven. This is the one that was not initially on my list that I haven't been able to stop thinking about. I mean, it just I had to put it here. It's between two kingdoms: a memoir of life interrupted by Suleika Jawad. Now, I initially did not have this in my top ten. It would have been it would have been my eleven or twelfth for sure, but I. I love this book so much. I I keep thinking about it. I'm following her. I signed up for her newsletter. I'm following her on Instagram. Like I feel like this book is, I, I don't know, it's led me into like really enjoying her work. And that's not something that, you know, that I, if I wouldn't have read this book, I wouldn't have, you know, been able to enjoy so much more of her writing. So this is her memoir of illness and recovery that shows her journey from a diagnosis of leukemia to remission and ultimately to a 100-day, 15,000-mile road trip across the country with her rescue dog. It's inspiring. It's uplifting. It's touching. There's humor. It is such a memorable story of healing and self-discovery. And really, If you like a road trip book, if you just like just to be enmeshed and taken in by a great, interesting, uplifting story. This is really, really, truly a story that is a journey, literally and figuratively. I just really loved it. And definitely for both the memoirs that I've talked about, definitely get the audio if you can because the authors narrate the stories and it it just adds that little extra something special. Yeah. I loved it. So it, it now has a, a, in my top 10. So that is between two kingdoms, a memoir of life interrupted by Suleika Jawad.
0: Good. I'm glad that you ultimately decided, okay, I've got to have this one on the list. Yeah. <gasps> yes. All right. Mine is. All right. Let's go ahead and get the other disturbing book out of the way okay. on my list because number seven is perfect days by Rafael Montez. And Tender as the Flesh is horror. This one is psychological thriller. It is one of the most twisted books I've ever read. And it's about a young medical student who falls in love with a woman who doesn't like him back. And he gets (laughs) convinced that they are supposed to be together. So he decides to kidnap her because he knows that if they just had more time together, she would love him too. This book is haunting. This takes you on a journey. Speaking of road trip books, this one takes place as you're driving cross country. And it is a haunting journey that takes you right into the mind of a psychopath. And I am getting chills just thinking about the ending. I remember where I was when I read it. I was en route from the airport in Cancun to the resort, like (laughs) ignoring everybody reading. And I was like, no, 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 no. So anyway, if you want something really messed up, that's Perfect Days by Rafael Montes.
1: I ended up reading this. I did a little yes. buddy read. Mm-hmm. Yes. With one of our patrons. And did, it was fun. Mm-hmm. Did the ending get you? Yes. Well, I
0: like a good psychopath. What a well, mother Can you believe it? I'm so mad. <laughs> 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 I, I like, I'm glad you read that. Cause like, what the, that's hor-
1: like, horrible, horrible, horrible. It was shocking. It was fun. It was a fun read, and it was fun to buddy read.
0: Yeah, um, I could see that. If you have a, a buddy reader who is a ghoul like you, then I think you guys could take this on.
1: <laughs> it was. I don't know that she is, but um, no. Court, it I was, think <laughs> I'm
0: a ghoul like you are. Somebody who like, can hang with from the dark reads. side.
1: Yes, yes, she is for sure. Okay. Well, I'm going to do a real sharp laugh okay. from... Take us away that, from <laughs> from psychopaths. And my number six book is Like a House on Fire mm-hmm. by Lauren McBrayer. This is a debut, and I feel like, gosh, I raved about this so much. So this was about Merit, and she was married at the time that the story began. She had her husband. She had two small sons. And there was something missing in her life. And she really, truly was at a place where she just felt like she needed something more. So she decided to return to her career in architecture. And she ends up being hired by a brilliant and beautiful Danish architect named Jane. And the two quickly develop a close friendship. And their relationship becomes so important in Merritt's life. So important. A little bit almost to the point of maybe I, I would say she might have been a little obsessed with Jane, not in a bad way, but it was Jane was very important to her. And as Merritt began to open her mind to the idea of more of what she wanted in a partner, more of a match, more in love, she began to question, what if the love of her life wasn't the man she was married to, but what if it was Jane? This debut was just page-turning for me. For a drama, it was Mm fast-paced. I could not stop reading, couldn't put it down, had to know what was going to happen. And also, I like that these characters were really, truly flawed. No one in the story was entirely likable or unlikable. They were flawed. They had issues. There were some things that were said and done that I just, you know, didn't like, didn't agree with. But still, I had to know how it would all end. And boy, the author managed to surprise me in the best possible way with this story and of course I haven't I haven't forgotten it. I highly recommend, especially for book clubs. I think it would be a great book club book. If you haven't read it, put that on your 2023 list. It's Like a House on
0: Fire by Lauren McBrayer. Mm-hmm. I 100% agree. You read that and raved, so I had to pick it up and I also loved it. Really good for book club. All right, next for me is number 6, Little Prisons by Alona Banister. Now, I just talked about this one two weeks ago, so I won't stay here long. And I saw a bunch of you have been ordering it from Blackwell's in the UK, which makes me so happy. And this is about four neighbors who live in a apartment building in London. And they all have their own demons and situations that brought them to living in this space that's less than ideal. It is very character driven but the writing is gorgeous. And we slowly come to understand each of the women's stories. And you, again, you are reminded that there's so much more going on in people's heads than what you see on the surface. This book is a perfect balance of sincerity and humor. And it's a reminder to be kind because you never know what's going on with somebody. I just love this book. I don't know. It's just something about it really spoke to me. And I'm really glad that the author wrote it and that she sent me a copy and that there was a little buddy read for it because uh, I'm just happy this exists. And Alona Bannister gets the only nod for being the author that's made my best of list two years in a row. She's the only one. So this is Little Prisons by Alona Bannister.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Okay, good. All right. My number five is the book that just goes to show your reading can surprise you at any time of the year. <laughs> my number five book of the year is Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmas, yeah. which I also just talked about. I have to tell you, I struggled with this not because of the book, but because I kept thinking, is this on my list because it's such a recent read that I loved? I initially DNF'd it in the summer, so it's super memorable for that. But, you know, I actually had to put it even this high in my list because I kept thinking, this is a story and these are characters I won't forget. I know it. So it it had to go fairly high. Now, this is another debut. And this was about Elizabeth Zott, who was a scientist in 1960s California and her career ends up taking off and taking a detour when she becomes the unlikely star of a beloved TV cooking show called Supper at Six. That's the bare minimum about what the story is about. This is, I mean, I won't forget her. I won't forget the way that this book just surprised me to the point that I kind of gasped when I said I was driving to Target. I'll remember that too, because the turn that something took in this story. Just, oh, it was so surprising. Also, there's there's the dog, 630. And between the characters and the story, I just, I won't forget this one. I'm so glad I gave it another try. Who knew that a DNF would make it into my top 10? I I never would have predicted that. And I I love that for my reading life. So that was Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie
0: Garmus. I love that for you. So fun. It's so good. I love when that happens. Like you surprise yourself and maybe we just, I don't know. It depends on the time of year. Who knows what it is? All right. My number five, I feel a little corrupt at making this only number five and not number one, but I'm trying not to overthink <laughs> it. It's When Breath Becomes Air by Paul oh. Kalanithi. Okay. It's five, not because it's not wonderful. I just, it's a memoir and memoirs are so hard to rate. However, this one was, I brought to our award-winning episode. It was nominated for the Pulitzer Prize for Best Biography and Autobiography in 2017. And this is a memoir about a 36-year-old neurosurgeon who finds out that he has stage four lung cancer. And this is a book that he really, really wanted to write. It's so philosophical. It's so... Incredible. And it truly will make you think about the meaning of life. And it's a reminder to appreciate the time you have right now, because that's all we have, right? Mm -hmm. I can see myself coming back to this book year after year, because I do suspect that different parts will resonate with me as I go through different stages in my life. I did the audio. I really enjoyed this book. Gosh, I can't say enough. This is When Breath Becomes Air by Paul Kalanithi.
1: I'm so glad that made your top 10. I love that
0: book. Oh, that's my only nonfiction.
1: Yeah, yeah. We've brought some really good memoirs, though, that made our list Mm -hmm. very worthwhile. Yeah, that book. I love that book, too. All right. My number four is a straight thriller. And you know I've read many thrillers this year, and this one tops my list. It is Dark Horse by Greg Hurwitz. What? Uh-huh. You could have paid me a hundred bucks. I wouldn't have gotten here. <laughs> it was well, it was one of my some it was one of my best so fars, and I read this in February. I'll tell you what and and this was book seven, I believe of his. I've read them all. This is just the best, and it it just stands out from for all the thrillers that I've read this year. This is about Evan Smoke, and he is a man with many identities and a very challenging past. He used to be known as Orphan X, a government assassin. And then when he left that program, which was a very, very dark ops under the radar government program, he then became known as the Nowhere Man. And what he has spent his time doing as the Nowhere Man is helping good people who are in trouble. They call his 1-800-Nowhere Man number. And tell—basically, that's what happens. And, you know, he decides if he's going to help them or not. Now, the genius of this particular story is he gets a call from a drug kingpin in South Texas. That is not somebody that Evan would typically help. He helps good people. But this guy, he's very complicated. He's a drug kingpin, yes, but he also provides legitimate employment opportunities in the city he is in. And his 18-year-old daughter, who is an innocent person, has been kidnapped by a rival cartel. And that's all you need to know. This was fast-paced from start to finish. I do think it's worthwhile to read the series. I also think it's possible to jump right in with this book. I really do. It is thrilling There is amazing plotting, and the resolution left me shocked. I haven't forgotten this story because of the way that he writes characters, the way he writes action, the use of, like, clever technology, all of that put together. It's just a fast-paced thriller like no other thriller. That was Dark Horse by Greg Hurwitz. Mm Mm-hmm. I know I'm not going to talk you into that one.
0: No, <laughs> no, you're not. But I just can't believe that. Well, maybe they're coming. There's only one thriller so far. Ah, uh, yeah. You know? Yeah. I know. I feel like we have to do like a sneaky bonus best thrillers of 2022. I, something.
1: You've read my mind, Tina, because <gasps> this morning, no, this morning I was thinking, how surprising is it that for me with all the thrillers that in mysteries that I read, they don't clog up my best yeah. of list. But I was thinking I should do something for Instagram, like a top thrillers you need to read, you know, yeah. that I loved this year. I was thinking that.
0: Yeah. yeah. There's something about thrillers that certainly they can make the list, but like I've always done this for years before the podcast. I always had two separate lists best thrillers and best of 2022. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. So I don't know. We'll think on that. My. Yeah. My next pick is not a thriller at all, but I loved it so much. Okay, I'm going to have to stop saying that because obviously we're in the top four territory. And I'm mm-hmm. still, as I'm reading this, I'm like, maybe it's number three? No, I'll keep her where she is. <laughs> <laughs> it's All the Lonely People by Mike Gale. I love this book so much. It's about Hubert Bird, who is a lonely octogenarian, and he lives a very lonely life. The highlight of his week are phone calls to his daughter who lives in Australia, but he doesn't want her to know that he's so lonely. So he makes up this picture-perfect retirement and he packs it full of fun and friendship and fulfillment. But then she says she's coming to visit him in England. So he's like, oh gosh, I have to like make up, I have to try and meet people and show her that, you know, I'm not as lonely. I'm not lonely. I swear I'm having fun. This book was perfect to me. It goes back and forth between Hubert's early life as an immigrant to the UK to present day, and I was equally invested in both timelines. This book is sweeping and engaging, and it's such a good reminder to put yourself out there, even if it feels like the last thing you want to do. Hubert worked his way into my heart and became one of my all-time favorite characters. And this is one of the books I wish I could read again for the very first time. I love this book. There's so much history to it. I learned so much about the Windrush generation, and I loved it. I really I'm trying to think. I uh oh oh. Uh. Okay, this one made me cry. It's All the Lonely People by Mike Gale. Oh, okay, good. I love that part. All right. Oh, and now I'm sad though that he's not in the top three. (laughs) (laughs) Like he's gonna come tell me, like, hey, what the heck?
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Well, I'm sure he'd be happy with number four.
0: Okay, that's true. Uh,
1: (laughs) All right. My number three is We Are the Light by Matthew Quick and yeah. you I'm sure yeah you're not surprised about that. This book is about Lucas Goodgame. He lives in a quaint suburb and his life has been torn apart by a recent tragedy. Everyone in the small town of Majestic, Pennsylvania, Thinks Lucas is a hero due to what happened at the tragedy. Everyone except Lucas, he is struggling. He's struggling because his wife has died, among other things, but that is a huge reason as to why he's struggling. It's very traumatic. And he spends a lot of time believing and insisting to others that he is visiting with his wife, who's in the form of an angel. He also spends a lot of time writing letters to his analyst, Carl. And then one day, A tent shows up in his backyard, and in that tent is Eli. He's an 18-year-old young man who the community has ostracized. Lucas, however, does not ostracize him. He actually embraces him, and they form an unlikely alliance. And the story goes on from there. This is a story of healing, of trauma, a lot of trauma, of community, of friendship, of love, of grief, and of starting over. This book is the book of the year that made me cry. I I didn't cry. I did cry with some other books. This one made me cry the most. I cried for quite a while. And I just, I love this book. It feels really special. I feel like it's one that I won't forget. Yeah, it's not a perfect book as far as like, you know, I don't know. It's, there were parts of the story, I would even say in the beginning, where I felt confused. Like, I wasn't really sure what was going on. But in the end, I won't forget the story. I won't. I won't forget how much it made me cry. <laughs> so it's We Are the Light by Matthew Quick.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I know. Yeah, I read that one, too. I can definitely mm-hmm. see why that was one that made you cry. It is. woo. Intense. Well, speaking of books that made us cry, number three is Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. I love this book. (laughs) It's a story about platonic friendship and love and its many iterations. Sadie and Sam are friends that met as children. And initially bonded over their love for video games. And they later reunite in college. And with the help of Sam's roommate, Marks, they start their video game empire. You get to watch them as they grow from children to college kids all the way to these wildly successful characters we know throughout about 30 years. And we follow them through their ups and downs as they find success and failure and their closeness. And then sometimes they grow apart through grief and through growing up. This book ripped out my heart, <laughs> and you'll know if you've read it like exactly what what point it was out. Check trigger warnings if you're worried about the emotional aspect of this one. Just check them out on the story graph. But I still thought this book was so beautiful and so unique, and I love how the author told the story. There were some really, really unique chapters, and it's, it's so clever. Again, I'm just gushing because I don't know how else to describe books I really, really love. Um, I'm so happy this one worked. It's tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin.
1: I had somewhat predicted that to be your number one, and
0: now no, I cannot I know. wait to
1: see what else you have left. <sighs> All right,
0: I know I went back and forth.
1: <laughs> okay, my number two is Signal Fires by Danny Shapiro. Another book I would call high on the emotional level. This was about the family that had the teenagers who head out on a summer night in 1985, three teenagers in one car. They've all been drinking. One of them gets behind the wheel of the car And in an instant, everything on their particular Division Street of the little community changes. It's a story about the Wolf and Shankman families of Division Street and the aftermath of decisions made that fateful night. I loved this. The characters in the story felt so real. I still think they're real people. (laughs) I do. I love the larger philosophical look that Danny Shapiro took with looking at family fate, regret, loss, grief. I ooh, I cannot stop thinking about these particular families and the people in them. I love the resolution. I love the direction that she took this story. This was my first book by her. I was just wowed by the level of her writing. I don't think there's another book this year where I— feel like I would probably need to highlight the entire book almost because <laughs> there's passages and sentences and, and thoughtful reflections I want to remember. This is the book, too, that I cannot wait to reread. Like, my excitement level over when I'm going to get the opportunity to reread this is so high, and that doesn't happen often. But I'm glad I, I get to do it. I'm jealous of people who get to read it for the first time. So that's
0: Signal Fires by Danny Shapiro. Mm-hmm. And I started that this week. It's been an insane week. I mean, I was looking for anything that would grab me, anything at all. I'm like, Ooh, I oh, gosh, now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, wait, did my audio expire? Because I had like three days left and now I'm worried. But... You're right. It just sucked me in from the very first chapter. And I'm like, OK, I need to get back to it and finish it up because I'm like, how how can I just end? It was like 11 at night. So I had to stop okay. and whatever. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I want to go back and see. In fact, you know how you passively like put a book on if you're like listening. You're like, am I going to like this? What's going on? All of a sudden I was like working. I was grading papers and I just stopped. I'm like, is what is it? Did that just happen? Hold on. Let me re-listen to the very first chapter because <laughs> I was like, wait, wait, wait. Already? Already? Because she just dives right in. You're like in dives it. Right in. Yeah, I can't mm-hmm. wait to get back into that. All right. Okay. I know your number 1 now. I was debating, but I know it now. My number 2 is The Measure by Nikki Ehrlich. Okay. I thought see okay, so now I know we have we don't have any do overlap. That's no, exciting.
1: I, I know. I I predict uh, well, that was my initial inclination. Mm-hmm. that we weren't going to, but yeah. Okay. But I now I don't I I'm going to be thinking while you're talking because now <laughs> I cannot figure out your number 1. I've got to Okay. All continue. Right.
0: The Measure by Nikki Ehrlich. And this is about strings. So it's kind of science fiction, literary, I don't know, literary, a little bit speculative. But one morning, every human on the planet, aged 22 and up, wakes up to find a little box at their front door with their name on it. And in the box is a string. And the string tells you how long you'll live. And so there's these people that are short stringers that have a short life and folks that are long stringers that will live a long life. In order to enjoy this book to its fullest, I think you have to just accept that premise and go from there. I don't know if I've read a more thought-provoking book this year. I will say it's political, but I like that. I like that she went to certain places and you get this story through the eyes of eight characters as they grapple with what to do with the knowledge of the length of their string. Some of them are deciding whether or not they want to open the box. Some of them don't look. Some of them look. And you get to see what this knowledge does to humanity overall. You cannot help but put yourself in that situation and think about what you might do if you were the one who got this box at your front door. This book gave me all the feelings. I thought it was so thought-provoking. And I can't believe this is a debut. I'm thrilled to see what this author does next. She is so smart. This book is smart. I loved it. Again, want to read it. Another time, and wish I could read it again for the first time. This is the Measure by Nikki Ehrlich. Yes. Okay. Good. I am so
1: glad that you brought that. This absolutely would be in my top fifteen. Yeah. It for sure would. And I think, as you were talking, I was like, I love this book. Mm-hmm. I loved everything about this book. Why isn't it? In, why isn't it in my top ten? And I, I think, looking at my top ten, it's because I, I, I feel like I'm very people focused this year. Like what characters have stood out to me, like a lot of these are even individual characters versus the memoirs or actual real people, obviously. But I think that's what like went to the top of my list this year. And this and the measure, of course, I won't forget the premise. I mean, that's that is the most memorable premise of the year. Oh, yeah,
0: I I agree. You're right. I couldn't tell you the characters names. I have broad strokes about who each person was. I don't know their names, but I kind of like that because I'm normally such a character girl. And like, Mm -hmm. if I love the character, that's what really gets me. This one was more of the existential angst that it gave me. Like, I just, oh my gosh.
1: Wow. Which it's so good. I know. I won't forget it. I won't forget it. It was, it's definitely worth a top 10 pick. Okay. Here we are. Number one, My number one book of the year. Oh my gosh. That feels like, I feel like we need like music and drum roll. You won't be surprised. I know to, to hear that it's Demon Copperhead by Barbara Kingsolver. Not only is this my top book of the year, this is my num there it is.
0: <laughs> I'm holding it to This her. is
1: my number one audiobook of the year. And I've listened to a lot of audios. This was about Demon. That's his nickname. His real name is Damon. But he is a boy born to a teenage single mother in a single-wide trailer in Appalachia. He has no assets beyond his good looks and his wit. And a fierce talent for survival. This is truly a coming-of-age saga. It's relayed, it's narrated by demon. It the whole book is him. I never in a million years would have thought that I would have put a, a book or would have loved a book so much that was narrated by a kid. Obviously, he grows up. It is set over many, many years, which is one of my favorite, I don't know if you call that a trope, but- Like a literary device? Yeah, yeah. Like we get to see him from a young age to a much older age. He goes through so much. He braves like the traumatic experience of foster care, child labor, horrible schools. He goes through athletic success, addiction, Very disastrous loves and very crushing losses. And through all of it, he is his own person. He survives. He is witty. In this book, I saw a like blurb somewhere. I think it was the Washington Post said, it is equal parts hilarious and heartbreaking. I completely agree. That's that is exactly what this is because he's so witty at times, he's funny. It's sad. You want to, like, reach into the story and shake him through parts of it. Like, what are you doing? But guess what? For 500 and some pages, I was riveted. Start to finish. If Barbara Kingsolver would have had a secret 100 extra pages somewhere, I would have been thrilled. This book could have just—it could have went on and on, and I would have been there for it. Also, this is my first— book by Barbara Kingsolver. So I have two very popular authors that I have read for the first time that have made my top, they're my top two books. So I can't wait to, try new things again next year. But my number one book is Demon Copperhead by Barbara Kingsolver.
0: Yay. Yeah, I definitely want to get to this one. I'm happy that worked so well for you. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful book, like visually the cover. Mm -hmm. And if you take off the dust jacket, it's even like the spine is gorgeous. So I'm excited to get to that one eventually. All right. My number one book, I'm like, (laughs) all right.
1: I can't figure it out.
0: I can't. All right. Here's why this one switched. It was I brought it to the midway point. And I don't think for my midway to 2022, I was really I I had a number one, but I shifted it. Migrations by Charlotte McConaughey is the one that has now come back through to my top spot. And here is why. It was my first book I read in 2022, and I was looking at my top three and flipping through and going back through and reading some of the quotes that I had identified. And if I could just read a brief quote from this one, this is the kind of book you're getting with migrations. We are all given such a brief moment of time together that it hardly seems fair, but it's precious and maybe it's enough. Like, I love books that I don't care about the plot. She gets on a boat. Birds are dying. <laughs> she is like a wildlife conservationalist, and she talks her way onto this boat. She is trying to track the Arctic terns, and she wants to follow them for their final migration. And she comes in contact with these fishermen, and they let her on her on their boat. And the story takes off from there. It's not really about that. We come to know Franny as a character, but it's also about climate change. It's about love. It's about loss. It's about Being a wanderer and like what happens if the path you thought you would take in life gets irrevocably changed. It's about family. And I thought this one was so readable and thought provoking. And I remember where I was when I finished it. I was sitting in my bed listening to it. And I just sat there and stared at the wall when it was over because it's just uh, I don't know how to describe it. Like, it's just a book that I won't forget. And again, I want to maybe I'll start the year by reading it again because I loved it that much. But if you haven't given this author a shot, I also loved her other book, Once There Were Were Wolves, and she is somebody I have my eye on. I can't wait to see what she comes up with next. So my favorite book from 2022 is Migrations by Charlotte McGonaghy.
1: Oh wow! Ugh. I love that you you surprised me. I
0: um, I surprised myself sometimes. I
1: love that. How crazy is that? That the first book you read of 2022 ends up to be your top. I know. I'm kind of like, wait. <laughs> so it was all downhill from there. <laughs> no, I no think it's, no no lots it's, and lots of it's good books filled with like it's a roller coaster, right? Yeah, it that's is. That's why I picture our reading year. It's mm-hmm. it's. A roller coaster and how much fun was it? It was so fun. It's not over. I'm gonna we're gonna keep reading, and I am. I kind of like that we do this a little. You know, I mean, it's not that early, but still, we have time to keep yeah. reading before we have to get into our 2023. Like start over. What topics are we going to be doing? Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I've got to read that. I remember when you brought it to the show last year, Ugh. and I was like, oh, that sounds so good, and all. I'll have to read that later. Yeah, and now
0: be. Now you've I would resold say, it. I would say, be patient with it. And this is for you and anybody. Give it a minute because it goes places that you won't expect. And oh, okay. yes, I would love for you to read this one. Yeah, we've got, and that was what I was going to say to you earlier before we were recording. Now I'm like, oh, okay, we've done it. But now I don't want to read any good books because I'm worried. What if I find one that would replace <laughs> one of my top ten? Like I'm literally like worried about that. That is so. So silly. So silly.
1: <laughs> well, you can always bring it as a latest read. And I know. Give it, of course. Give, and give it its due. I know. So I'm happy. I, I'm i happy with my list. Are you happy with yours?
0: I'm very happy with my list. I'm very, very pleased. And I, you know, gosh, I can't wait to see what everybody else thinks about our list and what other people recommend as their best book of the year.
1: Yes. I love Whew. the uh, I love the best books of the year list. Mm-hmm. I love, And, you know, of course, not everyone's going to agree on everything. I love seeing what either books I haven't heard of or what, I just love seeing what made everyone's best of lists because books hit everyone differently. Mm -hmm. So everyone's list is completely different or, you know.
0: Yeah. And I feel like it it helps me understand people as readers. If I see their top 10, I'm like, okay, I get where you're going with this. I have a lot of different genres in mind, but I think the themes are what we listed at the top of the show. Like, I think we were pretty good at identifying why they made our list. Mm -hmm. But, all right. Well, do you have a shelf edition? I do have a shelf edition. I am
1: going to tell you about a spring release. It is Carmen and Grace by Melissa Cos Aquina. Comes out April 4th. Have you heard of this one, Tina?
0: I don't think so, no.
1: Okay. I think you're going to like the sound of it. It's a coming-of-age drama. This book is about Two cousins, two girls. They're close like sisters. They start off, it sounds like, as very young. They come from a very troubled background. They are survivors of a very hard childhood. They end up connecting with someone named Donna Durka. She takes them in and she supports them. She provides them stability and love. And she's also the leader of an underground drug empire. Now, what ends up happening is at one point, something happens to her, and she dies under mysterious circumstances. And it sounds like at this point, Carmen and Grace are much, much older. And the struggle between the two of them, who are so close like sisters, is Grace has been primed to take over the empire, and Carmen wants out. So I'm already like, oh my gosh. What is going to happen between these two closest sisters, cousins and, you know, give me the potential like drama and suspense of the underground drug network, empire, cartel, whatever. Yeah, I I can't wait to read this one again. It's April 4th. It's Carmen and Grace by Melissa Cos Aquina.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like the sound of that. Mine's also a 2023 release. It is The Three of Us by Ore. Agbaji williams and this one comes out on may 11th 2023 i think you're gonna like this and here's why did you know it yes okay okay and you know why i do yeah Yeah. so long-standing tensions between a husband his wife and her best friend finally come to a breaking point in this sharp domestic comedy of manners told brilliantly over the course of one day I love books that are able to do that, tell a story over the course of a very short period of time. But the central question in this one is, what if the two most important people in your life hated each other with a passion? The wife has it all, a big house in a nice neighborhood, a ride-or-die snarky friend with whom she laughs with, and an affectionate husband who loves her above all else. The only thing that's missing is a baby. And then on a seemingly normal day, her best friend comes over to spend a lazy afternoon with the wife and then the husband comes home and a series of confessions are made that threaten to throw everything off balance and i'm like all right i got to know what did mm-hmm. you say what did you do <laughs> what happened yep. and it's basically the day unfolds to show how the trio's dented visions of each other finally unravel i'm really really interested in this one and i i can't wait i love the drama this is the three of us by ore agbaji williams
1: yes that one just recently came on my radar it sounds So good. Cannot wait.
0: All right. That's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. And if you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following us wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get our show out to new listeners and grows our audience. And don't forget, if you would like access to exclusive bonus content, You can join us for $5 a month on patreon.com slash booktalk, etc.
1: Feedback and questions about the show can be sent to booktalk, etc. at gmail.com. You can also connect with us both at booktalk, etc. on Instagram, Tina at TBR, etc. And me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember...
0: Everything's better with books. Well, what almost made your list?